Hello, remote friends. The information from this podcast is rich with remote support, but it's even more important that you go from information to application to get the best results possible. Remote work is here to stay, and we want to help you on your way. So let us know how we can support you even more by visiting remotepathways.com. There you will find a quick link to talk with us directly. Reach out to Jen for all your teamwork, leadership, coaching, and facilitation needs. And reach out to Michelle for developing a healthy, sustainable rhythm of life through spiritual practices, 90-day projects, and simple structures to support your remote working journey. Until we connect, thank you for listening. It's such an honor going remote together with you. Let's explore the remote world. Together we'll discover the people, places, and pathways to working remotely. We'll engage in great conversations, share tips and valuable resources, and connect you with voices from the field. Let's go remote together. Welcome back, Jen, to another fabulous conversation on Remote Pathways. We have a very special guest today and lots to talk about. So I'll open things up with a brief bio about our guest, Liam Martin. Liam Martin went from pro figure skater to building a business with hundreds of remote employees, pioneering remote work, Time Doctor, and Staff.com. Not only serve employers looking to empower their remote teams, but also digging into incredible research around the movement. Liam gives his unique perspective on culture building, battling remote employee loneliness, and why he has an operating manual on himself. Well, Michelle, thank you. And we want to welcome you, Liam. Great to have you. Really excited about our conversation today, particularly in the area of remote culture and other waters that this gets us into. So, Liam, tell us a little bit what has been your story to bring you to this landscape of remote work. Oh, boy. Uh, Well, that starts about 15-ish years ago. Ironically, Jennifer, we had talked beforehand. You went to McGill University. I did as well for graduate school. And I ended up actually teaching my very first class at McGill. My goal was to enter academia. And I remember I did a class with about 300 students and it ended up with a little bit below 150. I also got some of the worst academic reviews in the history of the department. It was a sociology department, about 120 year history, and I got the worst ones. So I remember walking into my supervisor's office, uh, Morton, Morton Weinfeld, and I said, I don't think I'm very good at this. And he said, no, you are not. And I said, so what do you think I should do? And he said, you got to get pretty good at this lecturing thing over the next, you know, because you got to be doing it over the next 10 to 20 to 30 years before you actually get to do anything fun. So two weeks later, I threw a master's thesis under his door and I was out into the real world, started my very first online business, which was an online tutoring company. And I realized at that point that I could make a lot more money through tutoring than I could through lecturing. Because lecturing, I was getting paid 20 grand a year and tutoring, I could make like 50 to 60 grand a year. And I quite literally also realized I could double the profitability if I just tutored kids through Skype. So ended up doing that, turned that into a business that um, 
had dozens of tutors throughout North America and Europe, tutoring hundreds of students, sold that business, and then ended up actually partnering up with my co-founder and the CEO of the company, Rob Rawson, for Time Doctor, which was a time tracking tool that I really needed for my students and my tutors. So I would bill a student for 10 hours and the student wouldn't come back to me and say, you didn't, I didn't work with my tutor for 10 hours. I worked with him for five. So then I'd have to go to the tutor and say, did you work with the student for 10 hours? And he would say, of course, I billed you for that amount. I'd end up having to refund the student and pay the tutor the full amount. And I ended up losing money in the deal. So Time Doctor was a way to very clearly authenticate exactly what task you were working on for how long you were working on it and then communicating that information back to me as an example as the employer so that I could go to that student and say, actually, he didn't work 10 hours with you. He worked for 10 hours and three minutes and 22 seconds. And here's all of the itemization that I can give you. Um, that's That was about nine years ago, I think, Time Doctor's been running. And then in the meantime, we ran staff.com and then also my own personal project, which hopefully we can get into today, which is running remote, which is the conference that we run on building and scaling remote teams. I love it. And I I think actually that's where we want to zoom into. You know, one of the questions we love to ask is what brought you into the remote landscape? And as we talked about before we started recording today, like, like us, you've been in this landscape for a long time. So most of our listeners have as well. And today we want to take the conversation into those deeper waters of like, really, what do you do to build and scale? I know that's a big tagline of, of the work that you do. But, you know, we're interested in learning more about your unique stance on this, sort of where you see things going, where are we now, and where might we be a little bit down the road? I think it has to connect to covid I think that that's been the linchpin that has just completely changed remote work and will change remote work, not just for remote work's sake, but for labor's sake. I, I don't, well, people usually scoff at me when I say this on other podcasts, but hopefully you guys won't scoff at me for this. I think that we've experienced the largest movement of labor since the industrial revolution and the industrial revolution took decades and this happened in six in in, well actually in two months and i actually think remote work is an aspect of the digitization of the economy Mm -hmm. people don't recognize how big of a nuclear bomb this is to the global economy. <laughs> I love where you're taking us, Liam. I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing right now. Again, I've got some new books coming out next year on, on remote work. And here's what Kevin Pesker of Microsoft Canada just noted. He says, COVID-19 has been a catalyst for digital transformation. Just as you said, it's a bit of a Darwinian moment with those who have made investments and built up skills within their organizations were the ones that were quickly able to adapt. Those who didn't were faced with the circumstances of the market around them changing so rapidly and not being able to respond in time. And that's what we've seen. We're seeing a huge paradigm shift now, really. Like, how do our organizations work? How do people thrive? How do we create community also in a a virtual space? So there are lots of lots of layers here. And again, that might be where we go. Time will tell. Who knows? I also know that your focus at Running Remote is very much about building and scaling. So tell us a little bit about 
you know, what you do at Running Remote and where your focus is right now within this sector? Well, the biggest one was, so COVID happened. And for for your listeners that don't know Running Remote, it's a conference that's been running for the last three years. We were going to have our conference in Austin, Texas in, I believe it was April, the last two before that had been in Bali in Indonesia. And we, um, we ended up having to cancel and we lost about 250 grand. So we said, what can we do that, that we can execute on that can help everyone? And we said, well, we can provide people information on how to work remotely to help slow down the spread of this virus. So that's, that's effectively what we did. But I mean, going back to just building and scaling remote teams, that's been our core focus from the very beginning. We believe that empowering people to work wherever they want, whenever they want, dividing them out from space and time is probably the single most important thing to be able to make employees happier in their job and give them more freedom to be able to work where they want to work. There's a lot of terminology that's really thrown around on how you execute on that. But to me, it focuses on just a singular point. And I've, I've been talking about this over the last 24 to 36 months, because we've been having a lot of debates about it inside of the running remote community. It comes down to asynchronous management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this is really the core component of remote work that you can teach, whether you're in an office or outside of an office, it's the tenant of asynchronous management. And it just grew out of remote teams. But when you fundamentally look at the differences of how remote first organizations operate, they really just follow an asynchronous model. So that's what I've been trying to communicate to as many people as humanly possible over the last six months, because There's so many people that are going remote and they're doing it really badly. Um, And you can see that because you can see the stress, the the buckling that's starting to occur inside of these organizations. Um, I've, I just actually had a client of mine that messaged me and he has about 2000 employees and he's gotten reports through HR of, um, of about 20 instances in the last month of, um, of, uh, not parental abuse, um, basically wives getting beaten up by their husbands. I can't remember the exact term. Spousal abuse. Spousal abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's saying, well, this is like, this is a, a bigger than a red flag. Like this could destroy his business. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and it's because people are locked inside their homes and probably one of them, one of that group, uh, one of those two people are unemployed, Mm -hmm. right? It's creating a massive amount of stress for everybody. And I'm blown away at things that I always saw as like, Oh yeah, this is idiot. Everyone does this, but no, everyone doesn't do this. Like um, I call it force quitting your day. Mm -hmm. So at 5 PM, I force quit on Apple computers. You can force quit everything. I don't work after 5 p.m. That's it. I don't get any emails on my phone. My work computer, which is what I have right here, is what has emails on my phone. Um, I have an iPad, and I 
go onto social media on my iPad, but I don't have any social media on my main computer. It's just like I create a very clear division and that's so good for my mental health. But everyone now, they're not working from home. They're, they're like living at work. Yeah. Which is and we've had not the right way to do it. And I love that because this is connecting in with some of our other episodes. So, Michelle, I know this is a big area that you get interested in. What do, what do you, where do you want to take the conversation? Yeah, number one, uh, I think you have a book in you, Liam. I keep hearing, then COVID happened, you know, and what's the story that you want to <laughs> tell 20 years down the road? You know what I mean? Right. And it, like, yeah. what path can we choose now? And you are completely mission focused. I can hear it. But, but. For the, for the teams, but also the individuals that are on that team, that you, you have a message of there's a better way to move forward. And that's one thing that we're really passionate about here at Remote Pathways is bringing voices that need to be heard to the virtual table. So thank you mm-hmm. for bringing your voice. Um, it sounds like it's very uh, important. And boundaries. Yes, that's what we just had. I crashed and burned as soon as I went into the remote space because I had that mindset. I thought it was other people, but realized it was me um, that, you know, oh, you're working remote. You're not really working. So I was driving extra hard and not setting those boundaries and not checking out. Um, but I had to come to terms with that mindset. So how about you, Jen, from the team perspective? Your heart's got to be exploding. Uh, absolutely. Teams have always been my engine. You know, when we used to call remote, being connected by long range radio, and you really were remote physically. but um, Liam, I, I'm intrigued, you know, teams, teams are the engine, right? The engine of any organization. Uh, it's all about the collaboration. You know, what are you seeing as some of the key themes for all of us? You know, we are all part of an organization. Leadership means something different in a remote organization. We lead through influence and we lead via coaching and conversations. So what do you see as important in um, all of us being able to do our best work? What are some tips from your perspective? So I've been thinking about this actually for a really long time. I have a talk on our YouTube channel, and it's just youtube.com slash running remote, where we debate asynchronous versus synchronous forms of communication. And that was two years ago. Uh, we had Amir, who's the CEO of Doist and the CEO of Help Scout, go head to head. One is asynchronous and one is synchronous. And I, I have, was not entirely decided on which side of the spectrum I was on. And I don't think it's an either or. I don't think it's a yes, no, or at least I didn't at that point. But I now believe, and this is something that probably maybe you guys disagree with me on. I think the only way to truly scale remote organizations is through asynchronous management, is through a management philosophy in which you do not require any synchronous communication whatsoever, because it creates a very interesting forcing function in which uh, if I don't know the answer to a problem, me just calling up Jennifer is actually a bit of a cheat inside of, you know, remote, a remote team, a perfect asynchronous organization would be able to have all of that information documented and communicated and digitized everywhere in various different methods so that you can retain it. And I now believe, and we've been, we've been growing um, the past year very, very quickly. And we have about 46 countries right now that we have workers in. We cannot 
effectively run a synchronous meeting ever again. It doesn't work, right? There's always someone that has to get up at 3 a.m., always. So the future is, to me, asynchronous, and I think that opens up a whole big kettle of fish in terms of, well, what is asynchronous management? How does that how is that executed effectively inside of not just remote teams, but I also think this can be deployed inside of an office as well. The, do you have a minute itis that seems to exist inside of on-premise organizations is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, And I don't understand it because I've never worked inside of an office before, but now that I'm starting to get exposed to that world, uh, you know, people knocking on the door saying, Hey, Liam, do you have five minutes on X, Y, Z? No, I don't. I was actually just focusing on deep work right now, and I was getting a task accomplished, and now you've distracted me. And even if I go right back to what I was doing, it's going to take me 50 to 20 minutes to even get my brain rearranged into another deep flow state. So, no, I don't have five minutes. What you should have done is written me an email or sent me a Slack message, or made me a video presentation through Loom, as an example, that you could have communicated really quickly and effectively in a very informationally rich way, so that I can consume it when I've completed that deep work. And that's really the big differentiator, is I think that a lot of the arguments right now inside of remote, inside of on-premise teams, and the argument to be able to stay on-premise is collaboration. And I think that collaboration is a smoke screen screen for distractive conversations Mm. that just a lot of people are having inside of remote organizations. And I actually think real, sorry, on-premise teams, really effective remote teams. They know they don't have to talk to anybody. Everyone knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing, which also connects by the way, to a massive big red button issue uh, we don't have many managers in our company. Um, our managerial bureaucracy, our managerial infrastructure is about half the cost of your average company. Why is that? Because everyone knows, I was going to swear there, Michelle, but I decided not to do because you, because you whistle every time that that happens. What am I supposed to do? When am I supposed to do it? What are my targets? What are my goals? Am I on target or am I not on target? And do I have all the information in front of me to actually accomplish the task, right? If you can do that and remote teams are doing it at scale, this is the thing that's really cool is like, that was the insight that I've had over the last six months is it's not about remote teams. It's about asynchronous management. And those are like, it's not about remote work actually at all. Just remote work creating an environment in which we can create this new thing called asynchronous management that allows you to be able to build companies much faster and much more efficiently and much more autonomously than ever before. It's providing individual workers a level of autonomy that has just will have ne- has never been experienced in the history of labor because now you can choose when you want to work and when you want to execute on that particular task and you can do it as efficiently as, as humanly possible because you have all of the answers, you have all the information available to you. 
Yeah, love that. And again, I'm fascinated. I think back, I've always said what I loved about my work over three decades was the autonomy factor, right? Like when I led teams that were in one country, but my bosses were a fax machine away, right? Like Mm -hmm. I had the ultimate autonomy. It was like, what could they do? They weren't able to fly down. They couldn't get to me in less than a week. So that is autonomy. And again, now we have the digital space of of learning and information. It's further transforming this whole notion of what it does mean to be an autonomous worker, but taking us back again to the basics. What are the roles? What are the goals? Where are we going? And are we all aligned? Do we all know? Are we all working to the same vision? And is that being clearly communicated? So it's a different, it's another paradigm shift of like, how do we lead? How do we communicate? What do we communicate? And how do we track? How do we track all this as well? Uh, mm-hmm. Which, again, back to your roots, right, with Time Doctor. So, yeah. fantastic. Loved the catalytic nature, right, to that spark, to the catalyst. Like, I think you probably catalyzed a lot of thinking in these perspectives that you brought today. I have no doubt that these themes that you've raised, like the asynchronous management, all of these things are going to become so much more commonplace and it is not slowing down. So I think this is a really interesting time capsule for this moment in time. Let us see where we go, but Liam, your ideas, your, uh, you know, your perspectives and, and the stories that you brought are a really welcomed addition to us at Remote Pathways. I want to say a big thank you for taking time and we'll look forward to having our pathways cross again soon, sometime down the road, wherever that is, likely virtually, but I'm sure that our paths will cross again soon. So thank you. All right. Well, Michelle, I think that takes us through another fascinating journey. What are you leaving today's call with? I think just, again, a heart of appreciation for all the different um, perspectives and benefits that our fabulous guests and listeners bring to our virtual table. So just a heart of appreciation and Again, on the edge of my virtual seat. Can't wait to see what happens next. We're in the mass, you know, in the moment, in the middle of a lot of major shifts that are going to radically, I think, transform everything from the economics to the way we work, to what we prioritize, to how we work. And so thank you for bringing voice to that today. And listeners, we'll be back with another episode soon. So as always, Michelle, final words. Take care, everyone. Be well. Be well.